Welcome to Talk Dizzy to Me, the show that brings you a comprehensive look into the complex field of dizziness. Now here are your hosts, vestibular physical therapist, Dr. Abby Ross and Dr. Danielle Tolman. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Talk Dizzy to Me. I'm Dr. Abby Ross. I'm a vestibular physical therapist and neuroclinical specialist with Dr. Danielle Tolman, also a vestibular physical therapist. It's Talk Dizzy to Me time. And today we have a colleague of ours who is another vestibular physical therapist who you might know her from Instagram or TikTok or one of the other social media platforms. She's a social media queen. Her name is Dr. Madison Oak. Welcome to the show, Madison. Give our audience a little bit of background about how you got into vestibular and what you do. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for the intro. I'm so excited to be here. I've been listening to this podcast for a long time, so I'm really excited to be on it. Um, Like Dr. Abby said, my name is Dr. Madison Oak. I'm at the Vertigo Doctor on Instagram. Um, I got into the vestibular world sort of on accident. Um, I was going to be a pediatric physical therapist. Like if you asked anyone in PT school what I was going to be, I would have asked, answered that like 100% every single time. And then during my clinical um, rotations at the end of PT school, I wanted to live in Austin for whatever reason. Austin's great. And um, the clinic that they had a relationship at University of Wisconsin with was 360 Balance and Dizziness down in Austin, Texas, who I to this day love. And they're like, you can go there. And I was like, great, send me, say less. So I went down there and by the end of the clinical, I was like, this is so fascinating. But my inpatient peds, which again, dream job at the time, um, clinicals next, like I'm for sure going to do that, whatever. My very last one, I moved to New York. I started applying for jobs. I had this like interest in both things. It's so hard to get a peds job. And I was like, oh, well, I'll just work at an ortho clinic until something works itself out. Long story short, got this job at this fantastic clinic on the Upper East Side of New York City and just kind of started seeing more and more vestibular patients. They had a vestibular side with really nice goggles and all the stuff I would possibly need. And he was like, I don't hire new grads. And I was like, just hear me out. Like I know a lot about vestibular disorders, I promise. And he was like, okay, we can have a chat. And it was the pandemic. And so there was a lot of time to interview. And um, he ended up giving me the job, which I am forever grateful for. Um, And I started seeing more and more dizziness patients. And during that time, there was so much dizziness in the middle of the pandemic and so much BPPV and neuritis and kind of these like funky acute things. And everyone likes to treat the acute things, but then the chronic people who were getting dizzier and dizzier from not leaving the house and not going to stores and not enveloping themselves in the world were getting so much worse and worse and worse. And the other people at my clinic were like, I don't know if I want to see these people, but like here, new grad, have them. And they were getting worse from regular traditional VRT. And I was like, I don't know what to do with these people. And then I discovered vestibular migraine. And I was like, oh, I am obsessed with this. I have not looked back since then. So VM and 3PD um, are my thing. I absolutely love it. I think I'm in good company here with that. And um, it's been great. I started the Vertigo Doctor on Instagram, sort of on a whim. The website as well, I say... My now fiance at the time, boyfriend, he was like, you are talking so much about vestibular disorders. You got to like do something with this information, please, besides just tell it to me. So um, that's where the website started. And it's kind of just grown from there. Um, On a personal note, I live in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. I love it. We're really big skiers. I have a dog named Hugo. Um, And what else? Yeah, I'm from California. I went to grad school at the University of Wisconsin and 
I love to treat vestibular disorders. <laughs> That's about it. I, I love your background because I feel like all of us kind of accidentally get into vestibular. It's something that we get exposed to and then it's just kind of like a bug that bites you and you, it just, you can't let it go. It's just, you get really involved with it and it's exciting. And once you dive in, you never look back. And so it's true. so exciting to hear that you love um, vestibular migraine and triple PD because honestly, a lot of clinicians hear those diagnoses and they want to run the other way. But the thing that I really love about what you do, and one of the reasons why we were dying to talk to you and bring you on is that you open access to patients that don't have access to resources in their areas that can help with their chronic symptoms. And I think that's so important because, you know, having something to go to, to find some relief is very important, but it's also a growing trend for people to have to research themselves. And sometimes things on the internet aren't exactly the best fit for them, or they stumble across like a PDF with explanations on how to do something. It's not nearly what they should be doing. So having these like live classes that they can follow along with and refer to and be a part of, I think is huge. And it's not really anything else anybody's doing. Am I right with that? Yeah, I haven't seen anyone else do anything similar. And I mean, I think there's a space for everyone to do something, but I think this is like a really special thing that I've found. I mean, I'll speak for myself there, but it's been such a cool thing to see it grow. And um, yeah, it's the intention of vestibular group fit is exactly that to give a people with vestibular disorders who are feeling alone or like they can't find the right resources and don't know how to exercise or move or even let their head move. If that's allowed, am I allowed to move my neck and kind of just starting from the very basics of like, can I use grounding and breathing? to help me feel a little bit calmer and then moving to more difficult and more difficult things, but giving someone the power to empower themselves to do that in a way is so important. And they get a lot of access in vestibular group fit to different resources besides just exercise classes. Um, there are like infinite, truly there's thousands at this point of workout classes that people can draw from, from Tai Chi and um, yoga to Pilates, strength, high intensity, low intensity, cardio, yoga nidra, which is a meditative practice. Um, I think I started with Tai Chi. There's something else. Oh, ballet as well. And everyone who teaches class either has a healthcare background and is a PT or has worked in healthcare for a long time or has vestibular migraine themselves, which has been a really important factor too. Um, and giving people, again, the power, no matter where they live in the world, when someone like myself, even I run a regular telehealth clinic in a bunch of states, but that's not going to cover the whole world. People DM me like, can you give me advice? Can you give me advice? And legally and ethically, the answer is no. But giving people a place where there's a group of people just like them going through the exact same things for a really low cost comparatively to healthcare in general for vestibular disorders in a way that actually makes sense. Like, I have done every single educational module, support group chat, coaching call, like all of these things and tried to make them in like very much non-jargony layman's terms, everything from the free content on my website to the free, to the paid content in um, vestibular group fit. So just like you were saying, super accessible and stuff that makes sense and is like actually evidence-based and actually medically backed because just like you were saying, you go on the internet, which is why my website started in the first place. And I would try to find like articles to print out to send home with my patients and be like, here's this, here's that. And obviously vestibular.org and Vita, they're fantastic. I'm a huge fan, 
But there's only so many times you can hand someone the same article on a VM before they're like, okay, there has to be something more, right? And so you can't send them to NCBI. You can't send them to Frontiers in Neurology. Like, where do you send them? Most of the other websites make absolutely no sense to a person who A, can't scroll, B, can't read tiny text, and C, doesn't have a medical degree. So that's where all of this stems from, especially the stuff on Instagram and on the website. That's great. And such good points. I think one thing that's woven throughout the different types of um, uh, interventions that you're offering in your online and then also your one-on-one is the fact that movement can be medicine or movement is medicine. And what I want to get a little bit more into is how do you know, let me back up actually. One of the things we talk a lot about is how movement should be individualized. Exercise should be individualized to people with vestibular disorders. So I want to talk more broadly about how movement is medicine in the group setting and then how that compares to what you provide one-on-one. Absolutely. Okay. So I have a habit of trailing off. So stop me if I go on a tangent. So exercise and movement is medicine. We're three PTs sitting here with like general PT backgrounds. That's what we all graduate with. And I think that taking the information from, I'm a physical therapist. I know how to rehab a muscle. I know how to rehab someone who had a broken arm. I know how to rehab someone with a knee replacement, right? And we can take all of these things and say, it's just breaking down movements that are not painful that are not irritating, or if they're mildly irritating and come back down, that's okay. And then moving them up, moving them up. And for some reason, and you guys probably have seen this as well, this is a really hard thing to do in vestibular disorders because dizziness is so scary, even for clinicians. Clinicians see dizziness, whether you're a medical doctor, whether you're a PA, a PT, because this is just not taught in school and go, oh my God, just don't move and you'll be fine. And that never works. We see it time and time again. It is like the opposite of what you should do, but it's scary to say, okay, you have to move your head. You have to move your body. You need to strengthen. You need to let your brain have all these happy hormones that come with exercise, but giving someone exercises from pamphlet and saying, do 10 squats and go to the gym and join this workout class with everyone else where there's fluorescent lights is not an option. That's really, so these two things just can't coexist because you're too scared to get off your couch you can't get to the gym and you're like, how do I meet in the middle here? And that's where vestibular group fit really comes from in a group setting. Movement is medicine for so many ways because you have other people to support you, other people to cheer you on, even though no one can see you in the classes that we have. It's just very like me and you, but I can't see you and you can't, you can only see me. Um, We do that for a lot of reasons, but in that kind of a setting, You want to know that the person who is teaching you how to move or who is helping you move has the background to actually do that. And as a vestibular therapist, as you guys obviously know as well, we have that kind of background for this specific thing. And not every clinician has that. So if you go to the doctor, if you're a patient, I went to the doctor and they told me to do these 10 things, their exercise prescription, it's probably not going to work. And if it does, awesome keep doing what you're doing. But most of the time, it is not an effective thing for your physician to be prescribing exercise, just like I would not prescribe you medication. We have ideas about both on both sides, but it's usually not as effective as the person who has that training to do it. So that's step one. 
Now, in a group environment, it can seem really scary to say, I'm going to do exactly what that next person does when they've been doing this for three months and this is my first day. That can be really scary too. So there are specific videos that you should watch before you start taking class on how you should scale movement. What movement might make you dizzy? What movement might not make you dizzy? If I get dizzy when I'm doing this movement, what do I do? If I have a chronic vestibular disorder, like vestibular migraine, which most people in vestibular group fit do, they're VM through PD mostly. If this makes me dizzy, if this throws me into an attack, if this uh, gives me neck pain, what do I do? And these things are really important to consider beforehand. And I always tell everyone to start small and quit while you're ahead. There is nothing wrong at all with doing two minutes of exercise, 30 seconds of exercise, of not getting out of bed and doing 10 bridges and saying, I'm calling it quits for today. You would rather at first, at least do a little bit less than you'd think is your threshold, then go over and kind of break through that threshold, right? And I make this reference a lot. And if you're listening to this and you've heard me say this before, I'm saying it again anyway, it's just like a hamstring tear for a marathoner. If you ran marathons and you love running marathons and you tore your hamstring, you're going to have to go to PT. If you do this right, you're going to have to go to PT. You might need surgical intervention, which is a little bit different than dizziness, but you might need an intervention. You might need to rest for a while, and then you're going to have to do rehab. And that rehab is not going to be, you're going to run a marathon every day until you're back to your marathon pace. Like that's never going to work. And I think a lot of the times we don't think about these issues in our brain because they are so invisible with those same step-by-step approaches that we learn in PT school. PT school, I say jokingly, is just learning how to break down movement. We learn a lot of other stuff too, but at, at its core, it's how do I break down a movement so that it's not irritating for my patient. And dizziness is the same. If you have a hamstring tear, if you want to start to move again, you have to lay off that hamstring strengthen the hamstring, go back to your marathon. And that has to be really slow. You're going to have to start with one mile and then two miles, a run and walk program, like a couch to 5k kind of a thing. And it's going to be a really specific thing that you need to do. So in the group for dizziness, you're going to go through doing literally one minute of exercise, doing five minutes of a class, doing 10 minutes of a class and saying, you know what? I think I might get dizzy. And if I have a setback today, that's okay. That's normal. It's part of having a vestibular disorder. It's part of rehabbing from my vestibular disorder and learning how to live with my vestibular disorder. And it's not about, I'm going to sign up tomorrow. I'm going to do 45 minute high intensity class with Kelsey. Like that's probably not a good idea. That's probably not where we should start. Please start small and quit while you're ahead and watch the scaling video first, because it really will help walk you through how to scale movement for you in particular with your dizziness and when to walk it back. And if you have questions with that, part of the group benefit is you can ask me anything 24 seven and I will always answer it. So I have trouble with deadlifts. What do I do? Or I'm feeling extra dizzy today. What do I do? Like all of these questions are in there. I'll never give you medical advice, of course, but I will always educate you and point you in the right direction of a different module. You can watch a coaching call. You might be able to watch from previous weeks or I'll answer on this week's coaching call or whatever um, within the group. So there's always ways to get answers to your questions. Then of course, with one-on-one, it's just going to be very individualized, very personal, but we know that one-on-one therapy gets expensive um, no matter where you go, no matter excuse me, no matter who you see, no matter if it's in network or out of network, it's going to get expensive. And so this is sort of a more cost-effective way, especially if you've been discharged from BRT, if you're doing BRT and you feel like it's not touching enough on the exercise component or the kind of more comprehensive component, just going to depend on kind of your healthcare situation.
I love going back to the concept of education. Education is everything. And having um, something to teach patients how to scale and progress exercise, how to regress, knowing your limits is hugely important. I think I think one thing about vestibular therapy and rehab that some um, clinicians new to the game have a hard time with is that it's not no pain, no gain. Um, I think some clinicians panic and they have to feel like they have to fill in, you know, 45 minutes of treatment and they really have to push hard. We just have to push through. And the more we do, the better you're going to feel. But in reality, it's not the case at all. And understanding limits and, um, you know, being happy with getting a minute worth of exercise in maybe initially, it's huge. It's great. We got to celebrate the small wins and taking that into consideration and teaching patients how to be okay with that and how to go slowly is so so important. So I think those people who are dying to get back into exercise, dying to get back to some normalcy in their life and trying to find the right fit for them exercise-wise, having something like this available is very, very important um, because you don't feel that pressure to try to keep up or to try to do as much as you can. You are working under the conditions that you have the understanding of listening to your body and knowing when to stop and being more connected with everything going on with your body. So I think that's wildly important, especially for this patient population or wellness population. Absolutely. And it's, it's such a hard thing to accept this. And I always remind people that like acceptance does not mean you're giving up the definition of acceptance when dealing with chronic illness is really important to understand that I was just talking to a client about this today, actually. The definition of acceptance needs to be recognized as I know that I'm dealing with this. I know that I've been diagnosed with vestibular migraine. I'm accepting this so that I can then make changes in my life that are going to help me live with this condition. And I think that there's a lot of false information on the internet that says we can cure migraine and we can cure vestibular disorders and we can cure all these things, meaning you're never going to get dizzy again. But dizziness is part of the normal human experience, first of all. If I, as an adult human, spin around six times, I'm going to get dizzy. So dizziness is not something that's just going to leave us. I don't have a vestibular disorder, so I understand that's different. But if you have a vestibular disorder, especially something like vestibular migraine or Meniere's disease, or even 3PD sometimes, you might get dizzy again in the future. You probably will have an attack again. And knowing what to do when you have an attack is so much more freeing to focus on than saying, how do I never, ever, ever feel this way again? Because even the people who we consider in remission or we see on Instagram who are like, I'm doing great most of the time, they're having attacks. They're having days where they don't feel great. When they're big, big weather shifts, the day isn't great. And they have tools that they use on those days that make them feel better. And that is something that I think that mindset shift is so, so, so helpful. And one of the pillars of vestibular group fit is mindset for that reason. Because even when you're having a setback, it's okay to embrace the suck, honestly. It's okay for sometimes you just be like, this is terrible. Today is not my day. Mm -hmm. I don't love this, but maybe tomorrow will be better. And I'm going to try these three things today. I'm going to try my rescue meds. I'm going to try breathing. I'm going to rest for the day. I'm going to cut myself some slack on doing all the things I was supposed to do. And Doing that is such a more freeing and helpful way of thinking. It's going to decrease the amount of anxiety you have. It's going to help you break that dizzy, anxious, dizzy cycle, which is a huge component of vestibular group fit. And it's going to help you feel like you're more functional and be more functional in your life because vestibular rehab also at its core should focus on how functional can you be? So whether it's individualized in 
vestibular rehab or it's in a group setting like vestibular group fit as a client, the goal is still the same thing. The goal is how do I get to the grocery store and be okay? The goal is how do I drive? How do I hang out with my kids? How do I sit on the floor with my grandkids? That's a really big one we get, right? Without feeling from falling backwards all the time. I don't care if you can shake your head at 240 beats per minute all day long. <laughs> if you cannot get to the grocery store, right? There is a really big disconnect in VRT that is just this. And that oh, was really big time, right? Big time. Big time. And if you're listening to this and not watching, I just shook my head a bunch of times. <laughs> it's not just that. <laughs> I think uh, Alicia just posted a, a post today. About, or, uh, yeah, Alicia Wolf, Dizzy Cook, just posted a post. Where she's like, what people see? And it's like a nice picture of her on Instagram. And it was like, what's actually going on? And it's like her grounding herself against the wall, taking deep breaths, you know, using some of her um, rescue techniques. And some of the big things that I've been working on with patients recently, too, is what if I have a couple of patients who are like, I can't get dizzy again. We have to nip this in the bud. And I'm like, but what if, if you get dizzy, what's your plan? What's your backup? I want you to write this out for me before the next time we meet. And you're going to tell me exactly what you're going to do if you get dizzy again and how it's going to be okay. And then we're going to practice that. So, you know, I think that is a, a big thing to be able to embrace the suck, be okay with it, um, understand and recognize that you're not relinquishing anything by accepting this new normal. You're finding a new way to push forward and be functional mm -hmm. and do better and feel mm -hmm. better and have better quality of life. I think that's like super duper important. Super important. It's, I know not everyone loves this word, but it's sort of like a, I haven't found a better word for it. If you have one, please let me know. But kind of that victim mindset of saying this is happening to me, which it is, it's happening, but saying this is happening to me and instead of, and it sucks, which it does, but this is happening to me and the, this is my plan, right? Kind of getting out of that mindset and saying, I am the CEO of my condition. I am in charge of this. I think um, Morgan of Life with Migraine said that I'm the CEO of my migraine disorder and this is what I'm going to do to fix it. And that's such an empowering and like helpful thing. Yeah. So both in group settings on social media settings where you might not have any interaction with the person that you're talking to anyway, they're just watching or even one-on-one. -on -one, I think we can all agree that educating about mindset and having a positive outlook is really important, especially in this discipline, vestibular, but also I wanted to talk about consistency. So one thing that I love about vestibular rehab is that we can educate on how to move, what to do, the different pillars of therapy, and then we can have them go home or maybe they're already at home because it's telehealth and they apply it. And then they come back to us and there's that sense of accountability where they work on it. They come back, we build on the program. We either regress it, we change something up, we add something. Can you talk about why it's so important to be consistent in this type of work? Yes. So I'm totally with you. Like see, see my patient and I'm going to want to see you probably for at least two weeks, most of the time, my first week to week. And then I'm going to taper that off pretty quickly. And I can see you guys nodding your heads that you agree because it's not about what I'm going to do with you most of the time. And at first people are like, you don't want to see me. I'm like, well, I love talking to you. You're lovely, but the goal is for you not to need me. Right. So that consistency of things at home is so, so important. And I love what you said about being able to apply and both go up and down. And I always tell my patients, like, if you 
if you have, or you're doing something at home and you're like, this is not working for me. Don't wait two weeks to tell me, tell me right now. I want to know the second it happens like the second. And that's one really big benefit you get from one-on-one therapy um, is being able to have that kind of access. So the reason that consistency though is so important is because we are neurophysiologically changing the way that your brain works through neuroplasticity. And neuroplasticity is this really hot topic, right? And your brain can change. Your brain has this amazing ability to say, I used to think this, now I think this. I can walk this way. Now I can walk that way. It's like when you learn to ride a bike and then they switch the way the handles work and they reteach people how to ride a bike. You can relearn how to ride a bike backwards. It's hard. It takes a couple days, but you can do it. And then switching back to the original way is hard again. So your brain can physiologically change the way it connects and talks to itself. It can go around places that aren't working so well anymore. It can literally reroute itself around trauma. Like your brain is amazing. If you have a vestibular disorder, Your brain, especially in vestibular migraine, is craving you to be as boring as humanly possible. And this is the reason that consistency is so important, so that you have more leeway in the rest of your life. And what I mean by that is if you can set a really consistent sleep time and a really consistent exercise schedule and a really consistent VRT schedule and a really consistent eating schedule and a really consistent amount you're hydrating and be consistent about these like basic things, you'll have more leeway to play with for the rest of your life, if that makes sense. I like so, that a lot. That's a really good point to make. The consistency is not only in the exercise, but in the lifestyle modifications and how well you're staying on top of things and making those changes. I think that's a really good point because I think when we hear consistency as therapists, we're thinking exercises, but we do have to preach that you have to go to bed at the same time every night and wake up the same time in the morning for that sleep wake cycle. And you have to be consistent with your diet and you have to be consistent with staying hydrated while we work on bringing the, that threshold down while we're decreasing symptoms. And then from there, you're going to be able to add things back in, in moderation. So I, re- I really like that. It's a really good takeaway from, from everything that you just had, uh, had mentioned. That's great. Yeah. So consistency is key because over time, your brain is going to take time. Remember the big word neurophysiologically changing, right? Your brain is literally trying to reroute itself. So everyone says this really hot button word, neuroplasticity. Do you do neuroplasticity? Do you do neuroplasticity? How do I do neuroplasticity? It's like your brain is doing it right now. It's just whether it's doing the changes you want or doing the changes you don't want. And so if you can be in a place where you can be super consistent, your brain is really happy and your brain is then able to receive that. And if you're being consistent with your rehab, which is the original question, then your brain will be more able to receive that. And your brain is going to be in a happier place where it's like, oh, this doesn't make me so dizzy. I can actually increase this program now. So it's not just about doing your exercises, which definitely do your exercises, but it's also about how do I make my brain available for that um, all at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Consistency is across the board in all the different aspects of therapy. And with this next question, I think that every single person that has some sort of vestibular something can benefit from a session with a true vestibular therapist. The reason being that therapy is so much more than just size. It's all the things that we've been discussing. It's mindset, it's education, it's understanding the diagnosis and what kind of lifestyle modifications might be necessary. 
But are there patients where the exercise component might not be appropriate at that time for them? Yes, absolutely. And I tell tons of people, you can be in group and not exercise at all. And that's okay. I think that everyone's brain, well, I know everyone's brain can benefit from exercise. No question in my mind. Like there are so many hormones and chemicals and neurotransmitters and all these things that happen when you exercise that just make your brain and body super happy. That being said, if you're a person and you're like, I am so dizzy, I can't get off the couch. How in the world are you going to tell me to exercise right now? The answer is don't yet. And that's okay. There are other things you can do first. And that is a really big part of vestibular group fit because it started vestibular group fit when it started in September of 2021 was two workout classes a week. That's all you get. Someone asked me, how do I cook, hold a knife properly and turn around in my kitchen without getting super dizzy? And I was like, I can make a video on that. And that was the first of the educational modules in vestibular group fit. Now there are over 46 at the time right now, there's 46. There will be like 52 by the end of the year. And there's a new one every three weeks. It spans from what is visual vertigo? and What do I do about it? How do hormones impact my vestibular system? Why do I get dizzy on my period and when I ovulate, right? To how do I ground? How do I breathe? What is happening in my brain? Why am I chronically dizzy? And educating yourself on these things is absolutely so important and just breathing. And I find that people who are like, I cannot exercise, do not tell me to move my body. Do super, super well if they just start saying, you know what, I'm going to practice every day breathing or doing a yoga nidra class, which is a meditative type of yoga, or I'm going to do a meditation class or like have separate meditations also. Like I'm going to just do that. And then I'm going to go about the rest of my day. And slowly that anxiety starts to creep down a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Slowly your brain starts to be like, this isn't so unsafe. I don't have to have such a strong reaction to moving my head three degrees to the right. I don't have to be so in my brain, which is what it feels like, right? So all of these things at one time can be combined to create a comprehensive and holistic type of program. Um, which in turn gives people less dizziness, less anxiety, and more freedom within that kind of leeway we were talking about before to do things. So if you can't exercise, no big deal. There are so many other things you can do. And going back to what you said about how everyone should see a vestibular therapist, I totally agree. Even for one session, if you're like, I can't come here that often, I can't afford this, my insurance doesn't cover it, um, it's far away, whatever it is, see them once and say, what are the things you can teach me today? And those things can truly change the course of your relationship with your vestibular disorder and your whole entire life in that way. Well, I I think you segued into kind of our next uh, uh, train of thought, which is like, you know, besides intervention with exercise, what else can patients do? And you already started listing off some of the great ones like yoga and Tai Chi and that, like all these great classes. So what are the things are you um, having patients have access to? And you are bringing on a lot of other providers that have really cool backgrounds. Can you talk a little bit about those as well? Absolutely. So if you're like, I'm not doing a strength class, like kind of like I was saying before, that's fine. Um, Dr. Jenna Green, who is another vestibular physical therapist, she was my roommate in PT school and we have all the exact same like clinicals, post-grad education, like all the same exact thing. She's like my twin. I, she's the best. Um, and she te- 
started seeing patients at the clinic she was working at in Minnesota who did Tai Chi were significantly less dizzy than for less time than the patients who weren't doing Tai Chi. And I guess she had this older population of people and half of them did Tai Chi. And they're like, she's like, they do so much better than my other patients. Why? She's like, there's a lot of balance, calmness, like all this stuff. And so that's how we started introducing Tai Chi into vestibular group fit, which has been really fun. Um, but I think that there are so many ways to move your body that don't have to look like traditionally what we think of as exercise. I think a lot of us are raised on exercise is running a 5k, doing 50 squats when you get home, doing 10 pushups and calling it a day. Like that is not what exercise has to look like. It could, if that's your, if that's your workout and that's what you like, awesome. Keep on keeping on. I'm here for it. But exercise looks like dance and moving your body and Tai Chi and yoga and Pilates and supine exercise, which we have. And we have all of these different types of classes. So you can log in and you can say, okay, I am feeling fantastic today for me. This is like my baseline or I'm above my baseline. I want to try something harder today. And you could say, I'm going to take a strength class or something advanced or cardio or something. Or you can go in and say, you know what? I'm not going to push it today, but my body is feeling like I want to move today. I'm going to take ballet with Bridget. I'm going to take low intensity exercise with Trinetta. I'm going to take Tai Chi with Jenna. And there are so many ways that you can move your body that can feel good. And reminding yourself again, that if in five minutes, this no longer feels good, stop. That's okay. You did five minutes of movement. You showed up for yourself today. That's plenty. That is fantastic. Frankly, I'm a big fan of that exact thing. So that's one thing that we offer. And the four pillars of vestibular group fit are movement, mindset, support, and education. So the next part we have is mindset. Within the educational modules, there's tons of classes about how to breathe, how to do grounding, how to do mindfulness, um, how to envision yourself in a wellness journey um, with a wellness coach, how to think about somatic work and should I see a somatic therapist and kind of how I can start with that safely. Um, we're doing emotional freedom technique tapping next, which will be released at the beginning or end of June, so end of when we're recording this. Um, and just all these different ways of saying, I can change my relationship to this dizziness in order to help myself feel better about the dizziness, therefore reducing the anxiety, breaking that dizzy, anxious, dizzy cycle. And when you're feeling like you're having a harder day or things just are not working today, or you're like, I just woke up and I'm super dizzy, you can always reach out to us in the chat or in the Facebook group, or you can even DM me or however you feel comfortable contacting me or Dr. Jenna or anyone else, any of the other coaches in the group, you can say, okay, I no, today is not a great day for me. How do I physically or mentally change my mindset about this? And none of us are cognitive behavioral therapists. We're not doing CBT. We're not doing ACT. But what we can do is talk about critical thinking. How do we critically think about dizziness, which seems very funky, like critical thinking makes you think of work and debate team in high school, right? But critical thinking in reality is saying, I'm never going to get better. This is terrible. This is my life forever. This is never going to end. And saying, is that true? I can actually refute that thought because other people get better. Other people don't feel like this forever. And I know that there are always options for me. And so kind of changing your mindset through getting that support, asking for help and watching these different videos and meditations and breathing exercises and all these other things that you can do 
for your vestibular disorder are all a part of vestibular group fit for that exact reason of, I need to educate myself on, is VM going to kill me? No, but is this something that I have to deal with? Yes. So that's how we're going to get started with that. The third piece of vestibular group fit is education. Um, and currently mindset and education are in the same place, but we're working on separating them. So they're distinct from each other. Um, but the educational component is going back to, again, how do I cook with a vestibular disorder to how do my hormones affect my vestibular disorder? What is vestibular migraine and how is it affecting me? What can I do about it? Who can I see? How can I take medications? How can I not take medications? Um, what is chronic versus episodic? That one is 90 minutes. It's like watching a movie of me just monologuing. Um, <laughs> it is a slideshow and it's broken up into seven videos. So it's not as bad of just 90 minutes of VM, but, um, all of the information you could possibly need to find on the internet is condensed and distilled and makes sense, hopefully to people who are watching it. So that's the educational part. And then the support group part. You can go watch a coaching call or you can join in on a coaching call. I'm there every other week currently at either noon or 6 p.m. Eastern so that the UK branch of people can get in on the noon one. Um, and that always has a topic. This week we're talking about vestibular migraine because it's Migraine and Headache Awareness Month. Um, but we talk about everything from what's neural circuit dizziness. Is that a thing? Is that a thing we should talk about? To what is vestibular migraine? To how do I stop asking myself why all the time? Um, we kind of talk about these in a group setting and you can always interrupt me and ask questions. There's a place to submit questions beforehand so that you can um, get your question asked if you can't make it to the, to the uh, live part. And then there's always a way to ask questions in the Facebook group. So the Facebook group is focused on what people can do rather than a place where people say, I can't do this, this is never gonna get better, and kind of perseverating on that thought process, which a lot of vestibular support groups that exist on the internet are kind of around that. And I'm sure you guys are in there or have been in there at some point, and it can be really anxiety provoking. I have a lot of patients in the past who have said, I had to delete myself from that group because it was giving me more anxiety. Like, is there a better place? Is there a different place? Is there something else I can do or see or find motivation from? And so that's where the vestibular group fit support group is drawn from. It's drawn from how do we focus on what we can do? If today is a bad day, how do we ask questions about it rather than just focusing on it being a bad day? Like, someone posted, I'm having really awful dropping sensations every single night. I'm getting really afraid to go to bed. My I was feeling so good and now I'm not feeling good. That kind of post followed by what do I do about it? How can I change the way I go to bed tonight? That kind of post is what we allow. This is really hard for me. This is what I'm dealing with. What are your tips and tricks? It's not just ending at this is terrible because although we can embrace the suck, we also want to try something different to get rid of that sensation. Um, there is a part in there called healing is never linear, which is just a a chat. If you are just having a bad day and you rant about it, you can go in that chat room, but it's separated from like the main support group part of the wall um, of the Facebook group and it's private and I'll never share your first and last name. If you post a win, um, it has like your first name on my Instagram sometimes and things, but I would never put any like identifying information or if you have an interesting name, I'm not posting it. Um, but so yeah, I think that's all the things as if that's all is a lot of things um, in vestibular group fit. So that's what it revolves around. And that is why we have all of the things rather than just exercise in vestibular mm -hmm. group fit. Because mm -hmm. 
And that doesn't, yeah, absolutely. And that doesn't just pertain to, I mean, it's great that you're providing all those things in vestibular group fit, fit but that pertains to all type of vestibular care, right? Mm -hmm. If you're doing one-on-one, -on -one, if you're seeing a vestibular therapist for actual vestibular therapy, if you're joining yeah. a group fit class, all mm -hmm. of these pillars are woven in there. And I think the main theme throughout all of it is education. When you think about movement, not necessarily looking like traditional exercise all the time, movement for a patient with issues getting into and out of bed might be repeating the movement of getting into and out of bed mm -hmm. to sort of desensitize or habituate to the trigger. It mm -hmm. might be going for a 10 minute walk in the park. It might be getting to the grocery store. That's exercise. That's movement. Mm -hmm. And I think if people look at vestibular rehab and exercise and wellness from a perspective of you want to absorb as much information as possible, trial and error, what works for you, and then pick out those things that work well and keep doing them, keep doing them. You will eventually string together a lot more good days than bad days. The bad days mm -hmm. will come, but hopefully they'll be sparingly. And you might even be able to predict when they come like weather, like menstruation, like food, like mm -hmm. stress, you know, all of those things. Um, I want to touch on virtual care. So all mm -hmm. of us, in this uh, show right now, we provide both in-person care, we provide uh, virtual care, mm -hmm. we have experience in both. I want to get your take on how virtual care works. How do you describe it to people when people say, I have BPPV, can you see me? I don't, you're not going to have goggles, I'm going to be in my home, or mm -hmm. maybe it's something else. Maybe it's, I'm so dizzy, how are you going to safely treat me when we're in two separate locations? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So first on the BPPV front, um, I only treat people with B BPPV if I first evaluate them and I'm like, I'm pretty sure you have pretty good bodily control. Like, you know, where your head is in space kind of a thing. And you're super rural usually and can't get to a PT. No one in your community knows how to do the Epley or any other maneuver. And you have a partner. Those are kind of my baseline rules for things. Um, I would never want to make anyone else worse or move a canal or move your crystals into a different canal and kind of make that more difficult. Um, so that's my first thing. BPPV absolutely can be treated from home though. I mean, I have done it on multiple occasions and it's important to understand first that when nystagmus and BPPV happens, it happens in room light. Like sometimes it can be a little bit harder to see once in a while, but for the most part, people's eyes are going to move the same if it's actually truly BPPV in that canal almost every single time. So if you, if you can show it to me on the camera, if you could take a video of it and send it to me, any of those things, then I feel pretty comfortable treating your BPPV. I did it a couple weeks ago. No problem at all. Um, it can be really scary. And so sometimes people are like, well, I have been taking meclizine for days. And I'm like, well, then we cannot do this. Your vestibular system is suppressed. I'm for sure. I'm not going to be able to see that. So weaning off of that first before we have our appointment is important. Educating them that, hey, we need a trash can nearby. And maybe if you have a prescription from, for Zofran from your doctor, maybe you can take that before. If you have a history of pretty severe nausea or think you might get pretty nauseous, um, telling them that they cannot move out of this position if they do want to continue with the treatment. Like we can't sit up and then go back to the same position. We have to start over just doing a lot of education before it's happening. Um, but I think that people 
love being in their bed instead of on the treatment table. Honestly, they're like, this is comfortable. It's wide. It's huge. I can put my head over a pillow on my own bed and someone who I know super well is holding my head. And I think that provides actually a little bit of comfort. Um, when we go over exactly how to do it, I have the partner repeat back to me what they're going to do. And then we go for it. And it's usually pretty successful in terms of, I am so dizzy. I can barely get off the couch. What, how are we going to do this safely? Honestly, the first couple appointments that I usually have with people are just talking. And if you cannot tolerate the screen, just put it down. Don't look at me. I don't need to see you. Um, it can just be a conversation because figuring out your history, figuring out your triggers, figuring out what your dizziness take, um, feels like listening to a patient. It's going to take a while. And I, I'm not going to see someone for three hours in one day. It's just not going to happen. And so for that, like first appointment where it's an hour, hour and 15 ish, that's where I can say, okay, we're just going to talk for this appointment. And if we're feeling like we need to stand up for something, if we need to check your balance for something, if I need to check insert thing here, I'm going to have you like move your camera around, show me around your space. Is it safe? Do you have a partner nearby? Can we stand in a corner? Can we stand at the countertop? Like what safety precautions can we take, which I would have normally taken in the clinic anyway, to help you do at home safely. And People know where is safe for them in their house. People know where is not so safe for them in their house. People feel really comfortable in their own home, typically. So kind of taking all those into consideration and saying, hey, you know what? We actually can do this at your house is usually what I tell people that there's pretty good research to show that it's pretty much identical whether you did it in clinic or at a home. And that even if I did see people in clinic, it's mostly about what you do at home anyway. So sometimes it's actually more helpful to see, oh, this is what your stairs looks like. You don't have to bring me a picture of it. Like we can just bring the camera over there and I can say, oh, your stairs look like this. No matter, no wonder they're so difficult or your entryway looks like this with that giant step. Here's exactly what we're going to do about it. And kind of having that access to someone's home, which I understand is incredibly private and I take very seriously is also really, really helpful more than anything. So I have found really incredible, incredible results, especially for the most chronically dizzy patients and being in telehealth because back to my hamstring injury, going to an appointment when you can hardly tolerate the car is literally like trying to run a marathon to your physical therapy appointment with a torn hamstring, do PT, and then run home. It's like, that is not something I would ever ask someone to do. That would be crazy. So asking someone instead to say, Hey, sit on your computer. And if you can't tolerate it, turn off the screen and I'll just chat with you is so much more accessible for most of the chronically dizzy population. Um, and if you are having some, something where I'm like, ah, I think eh, you might need some testing or hmm, something's funky with your neck that I wish I could touch. I'm going to, I'm going to find someone who I trust in your state, have a meeting with them as needed and, we will figure out what to do about your neck or your testing or whatever it is. So a couple things you mentioned about virtual care that I think are important. Virtual care is a really beneficial tool for a lot of people, but I think the trick for clinicians is to screen them first. Is this person going to be safe? Do they have a friend or family member that can be present? And you mentioned that you're asking questions about this to make sure that you are setting them up for success for a uh, virtual visit. So I really like that. The other thing I wanted to touch on before we part our ways, because we're running up on our hour, is 
marketing. So this is more clinician based mm -hmm. and a lot of our show has been about patients so far. So I wanted to touch on something that you're really good at. And that is for clinicians who are starting out on their own, more and more people are doing cash-based practices, especially if you're in a specialty like vestibular, how do you go about starting that? And how, how do you go about getting your word out getting people to, or knowing what content people want to hear, knowing how to relate to your audience. You're good at all those things. So can you shed some light on, on that part of it? Yeah, I started, I mean, I'm truly a millennial. So let's start there. I am good at social media. Like it's just something that I grew up with. Like I remember when my cousin got her first Facebook account and I was like, what is that? Like, I'm not a hugely technology savvy human. Um, but I am good enough at Instagram, but I'm like, I think I can figure this out. I hate TikTok, but I can do Instagram. So all my marketing pretty much has been through Instagram and from Instagram, getting people to join my email list. I think that's something that we forget is that we don't own our Instagram accounts. We don't own our TikTok. We don't own our Facebook. We don't own those things like meta and whatever one owns TikTok owns that. And so your website sort of belongs to you and your email list does belong to you. So those two things are really important. If the world shuts down and somehow we're still doing telehealth and you can't use social media anymore, email marketing is a really huge thing. And it's actually the number one conversion of any other social media that exists in the world. So that is something that I'm trying to do. And I am not the best at getting people to join my email list. I'm just not, but I'm working on it. It's just a goal. So as far as marketing goes, just putting out value and free information into the world because people don't want to pay for information. They pay for implementation. And I think we forget about that a lot. You can give someone, I could tell someone today, these are the 10 things I'm going to do with you. And unless I can tell them when to do it, how exactly to do it, at what speed to do it. Even if I told them all that information before, people want accountability and they want you to tell them week by week or every other week or every month, this is what I want you to do. Today, this is your, what you're doing and all those things. That's something that's really important to consider. I think we forget a lot about. People don't pay for information, they pay for implementation. And so that is how I funnel people into my group. I say, this is all the stuff on my Instagram, if you scroll through my Instagram, you could find pretty much exactly how you need to treat vestibular migraine. If you wanted to go through the 660 posts or whatever it is, you could, but most people are not internally accountable enough. And there's nothing wrong with that. I personally am not. Um, I need someone to hold me accountable hundred percent. And so having that kind of accountability is something that as a cash-based PT is really helpful to kind of educate people about. Also knowing that no one ever, ever has hit the deductible for PT. It's just not a thing. And so people are going to end up actually spending less money and less time on physical therapy, which is a great selling point. If they go out of network, they're going to get a higher quality of care. They're going to actually see their PT for an hour or for 45 minutes or whatever it is. They aren't going to hit their deductible either way. So it's going to end up costing the same, if not actually more in through insurance. So that's something to consider as well. And Another thing is that people, they say this to you in PT school a lot. I assume they probably say this to everyone in PT school, but people don't care how much they, you know, until they know how much you care. 
And so being relatable and saying, you know what, my life, I don't have a vestibular disorder, but my life is not all perfect. I deal with crap and this is happening and my website broke and this broke and I don't feel great today and kind of putting myself very vulnerably out there, which is not my favorite thing to do, but something that I do very frequently do helps people say like, oh, I can relate to that person. I feel like I know them better. And the people who I personally purchase from on the internet, (laughs) people who I want to wear their clothes and go to their gym and like whatever, it's a very like cultural culturally normal thing to do as a human being are the people I feel like I know the best. And so if you are looking, no matter where you are on the internet, on Instagram, on Facebook, on TikTok, on email marketing, I think I've covered all the ways that we really market on a billboard. People want to know who is this person? Why do they care about me? Why should I care to go to them? And so being a little bit vulnerable with your audience and saying, I'm a normal human too. I have this degree. I know all these things about the thing that's going on with you, but like there aren't a ton of vestibular therapists who are like actually vestibular therapists that there are enough of us where most people in big cities could have a choice. And so you have to give people a reason to say, I like this person. She's relatable or he's relatable or they're relatable. And I feel like I can talk to them because most of vestibular therapy is just a discussion it's a really long discussion about how you're going to manage this thing. And so feeling like you could connect with people and connect with your patients and connect with your audience and community is such an important thing. Connection's huge for Mm -hmm. this population, just because people feel so isolated. And I think they feel like people don't understand them or what they're going through. And, you know, you had mentioned earlier about how you can spend the first couple of visits just discussing and educating and talking. I did it tonight, my last eval of the day today before walking out the door, this woman drove over an hour to come see me for BPBV and she didn't want to do any positional testing today. So we spent the day educating about this condition, what was going on, like just the talking, you could just see the weight coming off of her shoulders. And then even moving forward, I said, listen, there are other options for you. You can go back to the place that helped you before. You don't have to drive an hour. And they're like, no, 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 this was great. You knew your stuff. I feel great here. If I, you know, when I'm done visiting with my family, I want to come back and see you and we'll be brave. We'll do it together then. Like, you know, that connection is huge. It is huge. And I think that a lot of clinicians need to take that into consideration when working with this uh, population of individuals with vestibular dysfunction. But you are definitely relatable. I love watching all your stories on Instagram. I give you props because when Abby and I started trying to kick up the uh, kick up a notch and try to get our faces on there more, both of us were like, oh, my God, I can't do this. <laughs> At first, it, it was it terrifying. Not it's easy. It is not easy yeah. for anyone in our audience who doesn't realize this. When you try to put content out, relatable, valuable content out every single day, it really is a full time job. So, props to you, Dr. Madison Oak, <laughs> Vertigo Doctor. Check her out. She puts out something almost daily something yeah. new, something innovative, something relatable. Even when she gets engaged, you know, she's announcing that it's not relatable for me, but it's relatable for a lot of other people. <laughs> that is the post I've gotten the most likes on ever. I loved it. That's insane to me, but hey, personal. here we are. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. It's great. You have a good mix of personal and also professional. And I think that's key. We love what you're doing. We're so glad you came on to our show, to our audience. Definitely make sure to check out her website, her TikTok, her Instagram, 
everywhere you can find her. And uh, that's it. That's the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. If you need anything and you reach out on Facebook or on Instagram, I really do answer every single one of my DMs. So you can shoot me a message anywhere. The information on this podcast is not intended to replace the care provided by your qualified health professional or to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on Talk Dizzy to Me. Please contact us at Balancing Act Rehab if you think you could benefit from vestibular therapy.